Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 180. Family cruises are at the core of so many Royal Caribbean vacations because they afford everyone in the group something to do. Royal Caribbean has designed their cruise ships to have something for everyone, including the youngest among us. Going on Royal Caribbean with toddlers and very young children is a fantastic experience, bound to create many wonderful memories, but there are some unique challenges as well. For those going on a Royal Caribbean cruise with young children, this week, we take an in-depth look at strategies and ideas for a better overall experience for the kids and you as well. Here we go. A lot of people who go on a Royal Caribbean cruise these days tend to want to bring their whole family with them, including the youngest kids out there. And just because you have young children, that doesn't mean you can't take a Royal Caribbean cruise. In fact, it's a great idea as a parent of young children as well. I've been taking my kids since they were six months old on Royal Caribbean cruises. And I can tell you from experience, it's a great time if you're prepared. (laughs) And joining me on today's episode is actually someone who is also well-versed in taking young children on a Royal Caribbean cruise. It is Christy from Texas. Christy, thank you for joining me here on the Royal Green Blog Podcast. Hey, thanks, Matt. I love cruising with my youngest. In fact, I think it's the best option for vacation whenever you have young children. I agree. And we're, we're going to jump right into that because there is so many great options. Too. And let's talk about that, though. Maybe that's maybe the theoretical behind it. Because you know what, Christy? I don't know if you had the same thought, maybe, but I know a lot of people do think, oh, my kids are too young to go on a cruise. Why would I bring them when they're this young? Let me wait until they're they're older. But I obviously disagree with that. Why do you why do you disagree with that theory? Well, if you're going to vacation, let's vacation somewhere where we can all enjoy different things, right? And so when we started looking at different vacations that we could take with, you know, a toddler or an infant, a lot of places don't have any like childcare options until the child reaches three. And so, you know, I feel like we should start this podcast with a disclaimer that we all love our kids, but it's vacation for all of us. So we want to be able to, <laughs> to, you know, send them somewhere for a little bit and know that they're in good hands. And with the cruise ship, you can do that starting at six months old. And it really makes a nice, well-rounded vacation for the whole family, in my opinion. Absolutely. You know, when I first started covering Royal Caribbean here on Royal Caribbean Blog, and even when I first had my first daughter, nurseries were not that prevalent on Royal Caribbean ships. To their credit, Royal Caribbean has really doubled down on the whole family aspect, especially young children. They've built new nurseries, obviously, on the newer ships, and also added nurseries to existing ships. In fact, I... Struggling to think of any Royal Caribbean ships these days that do not have one. Probably Empress of the Seas, right? I think it's probably one that doesn't have one. Maybe they do. I have no idea, actually. But um, the bottom line is they all really have nurseries on there. And nurseries, by the way, are available for guests who are uh, six mo- at least six months old. You can't go on with a child who's younger than six months anyway on a Royal Caribbean cruise. All the way up to 36 months old. Now, the nurseries do have an additional cost. Adventure Ocean, which is a program we talk about a lot here, is the program that's available for kids that are three years old all the way up to 17 years old. That is complimentary. But the nursery does have an additional hourly charge to it. But I will tell you, and Chris will tell you also, it is the best money you ever spent as a parent on any Royal Caribbean cruise. Absolutely. Or on any vacation that you could spend. I mean, it's it's six bucks during the day and eight bucks at night per hour. And you can't even get a teenager down the street to come over for that much. <laughs> so I really want to focus on kind of best practices, if you will. Here's the geek in me coming out, right? Well, we'll talk about the best practices. And, uh, but, you know, the, the strategies and tips for bringing young children, because while all kids are certainly, uh, you know, welcome and, and going to have a great time on a Royal Caribbean cruise, I think when you're talking about kids that are under 36 months old, you are talking about a segment that is a little more challenging because they don't quite understand how the world works yet. Some of them don't even talk yet. You're dealing with some external issues that are not necessarily present once they're potty trained and old enough to go to Adventure Ocean. And as I mentioned, I have uh, two children of my own, and both of them have been cruising since they're six months old. Uh, Christy, you have a child of your own who's been cruising since how when was, when was her first cruise? Uh, she was seven months. I figured this out the other day. So she's 26 months old, and she's been on a boat for a whole month of her life already, which a is ship, pretty Christy. ridiculous. Oh, somewhere, I'm sorry, ship. Somewhere me. Billy is shaking his fist angrily <laughs> at his at his Android device that is uh, outdated. Yeah, okay, excuse me, a ship. So we've been on uh, three royal ships with her and um, one Disney ship as well. And so she's been on four cruises already, and she just turned two. So let's start, I guess, let's say, let's say you're at the beginning, right, Christy? A, a very good place to start. Um, and you're talking about, uh, you're looking at a cruise. I've got you know, someone saying, oh, Christy, I've got children too, a, a, young, a young child as well. I would love to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise. 
when you're just at the booking stage, right, considering options, let's assume that they've figured out, okay, there's a ship that has a nursery. That's that's probably step one, right? Make sure your ship has a nursery, which there are very few, if any, that don't have any. Uh, that used to be right. a, a more, much bigger consideration. But what would you say, what would be your tips? I have mine, and I've shared this before, but what are your tips for booking a stateroom? What do you look for when you're considering bringing your daughter on board? Oh, goodness. Okay. We like more space because whenever she's like right next to us and she can see us, she won't sleep at night. So I know you guys book two rooms, but um, that's only really economical if you have two children or more, in my opinion, because then you'd have the second room would be a full full fare for two people. So we try to book a room that at least has some space away from the bed for us um, so that we have a little bit more room. But then also... Um, you have to take into consideration, do you have a climber? You know, Kenzie went through a climbing stage. So we went with an ocean view at one point so that we didn't have to worry about her climbing out on the balcony. Now that she's outgrown that a little bit, we're all good. Um, and then and even if you want to move up to like the junior suite, having the bathtub is pretty important for some people. Yes. And, um, and so I also know some of my friends will bring like a blow up bathtub to put in the shower. Um, if you can't do that, but, um, you know, whenever they're six months old, it's pretty hard to take a shower and hold a slippery, slimy baby and get bathed. <laughs> so um, I know the junior suite's a good option for families because it gives you a little more room in that bathtub as well. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, certainly, I know that a lot of parents – some parents are okay without, with just the stand-up shower because if you're not – if you're in a stateroom that's lower than a junior suite, so any inside ocean view or balcony stateroom that's not a junior suite or above, you don't get a bathtub in your room, a full tub. So – that could could be a problem, and it's certainly a consideration you want to take into account. I like the strategy, by the way, of the blow up tub. It's not a bad idea. You know, those are pretty cheap, and you can get those at any you know Walmart or CVS or where have you, and and bring those on board. Easy to pack, and then obviously you throw them away when you're done with the cruise. And uh, somewhere Al Gore is crying about that, but hey, you're being practical. <laughs> um, the the other thing I wanted to mention also when we're talking about rooms is yes, Chris, you alluded to it. I've got two kids. These days, nine out of ten times, I will book a second room, a connecting room. There are things called connecting rooms where basically there's a common door inside between the two rooms. Now, my children are young, and when you got young kids, I think it's important to be able to do that because you can leave the door open so you can hear them. We still bring a, a monitor with us, but uh, being able to get you know, in the middle of the night when you're not fully dressed to go back and forth between the rooms is very important. So as opposed to having two uh, adjacent rooms that don't have a common door, you'd have to go out in the hallway. And obviously, you can't keep the door open in that case. So if you've got young kids and you're going that other route of having a connecting room, it can be a good idea. And not only that, oftentimes, and to me, I feel like it's best to have two you know, two smaller rooms, like maybe an inside or two ocean view rooms, and instead of having one larger room, like a balcony. Uh, and for the purposes of the, exactly you mentioned, Christy, which is that if my youngest daughter can see us, She's like, oh, the party's here. You know, they need. Mm-hmm. She wants. We, she needs uh, darkness to sleep, and she needs no distractions. That's that's really key. And there's pros and cons. Obviously, two rooms. To, you know, the cost differences can be can vary. Obviously, you may be compromising on like that balcony, as I mentioned earlier, or you get two connecting balconies. They do exist. It's a little more difficult to find the connecting rooms. I find. Uh, I usually you can spend a lot of time on the Roku website doing it. Although I'll be honest with you, the best thing you can do. Use a travel agent. Let them figure it out. They actually have tools to help them figure out which ones are connecting or not, and find uh, available options. They do go quickly, so if you want one, yeah, you probably book early. Another. Book early, absolutely. Yep. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, Christy, was there are also other alternatives. You mentioned the junior suite; that's a good one because you get a lot of space. Also, there are something called Royal Caribbean has in various categories family rooms. There's family ocean views, family uh, panoramic rooms. Uh, there's family suites as well. And the, the idea behind these rooms are you get a lot more room, like in terms of square footage, and a little more separation. I, one of my favorite cruises we ever took, this was when we still had one, one child. It, somehow we ended up getting the family ocean view on Navigator of the Seas. And what was nice about that, Christy, was not only was there a separate sleeping area, there was like two bunk beds, but they had a little curtain. So it, it provided darkness and separation, and they – they couldn't see us, which was really important. Um, and, and for us, I mean, for, for, as a parent, look, I love my children. I really do. But at nighttime, <laughs> sleeping in the same room as them is a challenge. And I don't like playing this quiet game. I, don't, I like to be able to you know, have the light on, maybe watch a little TV, read the cruise compass. And so that's why having that kind of separation is nice. So, so 
Family rooms are available. They're usually reserved for guests who have six guests or more in them. But as you get closer to a sailing, they tend to open up for other people. So as I mentioned, I was able to get a family ocean view for only three guests, me, my wife, and my daughter. So that is available, and you should you know, consider that as an option when you're looking at staterooms as well. That's exactly what happened to us on Freedom, too. We were able to pick up one of those family rooms, and um, it was one of the family panoramic views. And so they had a divider in the room, and we just put her crib right behind that. Nice. Uh, the other thing, by the way, if you're looking for other cheaper divider options, let's say it's like, like Matt, I can't book anything that's cheaper than, you know, I, I got to go to an insider and ocean view. I can't afford two rooms. The ocean views aren't available, and I'm not moving up to junior suite. Don't forget, one great strategy, and I think my wife found this. Maybe she got, actually got this idea from you, Christy, was to um, – is the, the, the rooms are all made out of metal, the walls. And so one strategy is you buy a really cheap uh, shower curtain with magnetic hooks. And you basically mm-hmm. just hang it up on the on the ceiling, and that creates a divider, at least visually. And that can be the difference between your child sleeping past 7 a.m. or not. And maybe that can be a good strategy. A lot of people have expressed that that's worked out for them. Yeah, we looked into that, too, before we got that family um, panoramic room. Another thing I wanted to mention, Christy, about when you're looking to book a room is also consider the ship you're on. There are certain facilities. You mentioned the nursery, but there are other facilities worth mentioning or considering when booking crews. I would say chief among them would make sure that the ship you're on has a baby-friendly pool. You cannot bring children who are in diapers into the main pool on any Royal Caribbean ship. It's for safety and health reasons, right? Makes sense. There's, you know, diapers, not really a great idea in the pool. So certain ships do have a baby-friendly pool. And depending on how you cruise, whether how much time you spend, if you don't spend any time at the pool, it's not really a consideration. Uh, also, your itinerary, if you're doing a very port-intensive itinerary, it probably doesn't matter as much. And obviously what you're looking to do on your cruise if, and some other considerations. But uh, make sure that there is a splash or baby pool. These are available on the newest ships. And we're talking about the Quantum-class ships, the Oasis-class ships, and the Freedom-class ships uh, primarily. Chris, are you aware of any other ships that have them? Uh, I'm not, but they're amazing, by the way. All of them are amazing, the splash pads. We we go out there and have fun. Even the adults have fun with her. Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing. really cool to have that Cool to have that option. So certainly if pool time is important to you, that's going to be something else. Are there any other ship-specific considerations that we should talk about in terms of uh, talking about you know kids under 36 years, 36 months old, 36 <laughs> years? <laughs> We're all kids under 36, huh? Um, my favorite thing about Royal Caribbean ships is the open play areas for the uh, mm. toddlers. And we've seen them on um, dedicated areas on the Oasis and the Quantum class ships. And then on Freedom class, they had it set up kind of in the teen area during the middle of the day. Um, but this is a great area because there are times you just want to let your kid run and play and you just want to sit there and watch. Yep. And having that dedicated place so they can just be kids and you don't have to worry too much. You don't have to book. You don't have to spend any, any money in it. You just show up and let them play. Great, great um, place on the ship. Yeah, check your cruise compass for more information on where it is. It's almost always in the teen club on non-Oasis or Quantum-class ships. It's, I agree with you on the Oasis and Quantum-class ships. They have, like, essentially play – I wouldn't call them a playground, but they're play areas. You know, there's toys and a bunch of stuff. On non-Oasis and Quantum-class ships – You'll still have the, the, they basically transform the teen club and they bring a play mat and a bunch of toys for the kids to play with. And it's pretty much most of the day it's open because the, kind of the teens aren't using that club until the evening. And it's a wonderful option. You're right, Christy, because you can go there, you can bring your book, you can do whatever, you know, play with the kids if you want. And I guess that's what parents are supposed to do. And, um, and, you know, and let them run around and scream and run into each other and whatever it is kids do that, you know, that gives them joy. It's great, especially for, before nap time to get energy out. And I agree that that's something you want to uh, keep track of regardless of the ship you're on. And like I said, you're either going to have a dedicated spot on board. Uh, in, in the case of the Quantum and Oasis class, Christy, it's in the Adventure Ocean area, right? Yep, yep. The one on Oasis is huge. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. It is really cool. The one on Qua- on Anthem of the Seas was also very impressive, I got to say. I yeah, was, two-story. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. That's really not bad at all. So, yeah, plenty of uh, considerations uh, there. Let's talk about let's talk about dining on board. How do you handle – oh, wait, one more thing. Sorry, I forgot one more thing about pricing. This is something that you and I were talking about before that we started recording, uh, Christy, which is about uh, understanding how pricing works. A lot of times people are kind of surprised that you do actually have to pay for toddlers to come on 
board a ship and how pricing works on there. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, so from what I've gathered from all of our trips is it's it's the same as any third class, um, your third passenger in your room, so the same fare, which is why my kid eats steak the whole entire time that we're on board. <laughs> um, but it's the same fare, you know, whether or not she's two or 14 or even if you're, you know, a 21-year-old as a third passenger in a room, um, unless you catch a kid sale-free sailing. And, right. you know, that's really important with uh, – Little kids, because you might have the flexibility to do that since they're not in school yet, so you might be able to catch one of the kids' sale-free um, options with that. Yeah, and usually when you get to third and fourth passengers within the same stateroom, the fare does drop compared to the first and second passenger, because at the end of the day, Royal Caribbean is mostly concerned with the first and second passenger fares, and after that, they start to the price slides a little bit. But you are paying for them, and uh, so that is they're not they don't sell for you regardless if they're six months old or like you said, you know, uh, twenty one years old. They're 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 still a, a cost to be paid there. But of course, they're taking up services even if they're not eating steak or, or hanging out in, in the various facilities on there. There's still a passenger on the ship, and it, it, it counts towards that. So definitely something you want to uh, consider when you're, when you're booking your cruise and kind of figuring this out. There are, like I said, the, the kids sale free deals have been available. The first one was amazing. That was back – I don't know if you remember this one, Christy. It was like – first it was for kids, and then they were like, all right, any third and fourth passengers in the room. So you could have brought McKenzie or you could have brought Michael Poole in your room, and you would have paid the same <laughs> amount of money. <laughs> Different I think experience. I'll take McKenzie. Yeah, it was you know it was a very cool thing. These days they still offer them from time to time the kids sale free deals, but they tend to be quite blacked out in terms of not over certain holidays and popular times off. But like you said, when you've got young children who are not in school yet, one advantage is you can afford to go cruising. You know, in the middle of January or September, when a lot of other families are unwilling to take their children out of school. Yeah, for sure. In terms of packing, how do you handle? planning and, and bringing stuff on board. Certainly, uh, we're talking about the diaper stage. In some cases, we're talking about formula and snacks and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I guess the first thing I would say, I'll, I'll start it off, Christy, and then I'll, I'll, show, I'll throw it over to you, is you can certainly feel free to bring as much baby food and formula and what have you you want to bring on board. In fact, we even brought bottled water on board for formula in the past. Uh, it's, it's okay. And uh, what you should do, though, is feel free to bring, like I said, formula. Feel free to bring those little, you know, poofs and yogurt bites and all those other wonderful foods that you find in that one aisle of the of the <laughs> supermarket. And, uh, you know, bring – and my only advice is bring more than you probably need. This is a good case of overpacking. Otherwise, Absolutely. you'll be like me and stopping in the supermarket in Cozumel to go get more diapers or formula or what have you. Been there and done that. And also yeah. the nursery um, tends to use diapers and snacks and stuff that you bring more often than you typically would at home. So, I mean, I know we don't change diapers nearly as often as they do. So whenever you're taking into account how many diapers do we need to bring, definitely add a couple more each day to that count. Or, inevitably, your kid's just going to have different, you know, bowel movements or whatever throughout the week. And all of a sudden, you're without diapers. And I think they do sell some diapers on board, but um, especially if your kid's sensitive to different types of diapers, it's always good to have what they're used to. Right, and they don't care all sizes, and maybe it's not the brand you like. Evidently, that's a thing I learned. So, yeah, you want to make sure you're you're well prepared for that and overpacking. And when your kids do get older, by the way, you mentioned the nursery, and I wanted to mention this part. As they start to eat solid foods in the nursery, they can't actually provide food for them that come from the ship. So, you oftentimes when you're checking them in to the nursery, they'll ask, "Hey, what you know is the child going to eat?" And you can say, "Well, there's you know they can she can have or here you can have a bottle or there's formula or or you know." They can bring in grapes and other fruit and pizza and whatever, chicken. Uh, so you can have them eat regular food while they're there, which is great uh, once they get a little bit older and they can you know, venture out in terms of other kind of options that are there. Yeah, for sure. We still pack snacks for it, too, on top of that, yep. just because you know it's a comfort thing for them. Mom and Dad's not here, and sometimes they want additional snacks on top of what the nursery feeds them. Let's talk more about the nursery. I think there's some good strategies we can we can talk about the nursery because and, – and as you mentioned earlier, Christy, it is a wonderful thing. It's available throughout the cruise. Let's talk about reserving time. This is a kind of – I think this is the most important concept because it's not the most clear thing, especially in the beginning. And I uh, I know that if you're new to Royal Caribbean or new to, to using the nursery, the, the strategy here may be a little different. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely takes th- some getting used to. Yeah. 
So the nursery on board has a limited capacity. It's only so big and they only have so much staff and they're not just it's not a it's not a deposit bank for children, right? They can only it's not it's not just this, you know, this grand ball pit where they just throw the kids in there and it's like come back whenever you want. They have they actually they're very strict about maintaining a certain staff to child ratio. They want to make sure that children are getting the proper attention and as such, they can only handle so many kids on board in the ship. So the way it works in general is uh, when you get on board the ship, one of the first things you want to do is you want to go register your child. You should do this for Venture Ocean also when they get older. This is just a good, solid strategy. They'll have an open house on day one. The hours will be in the cruise compass when you get on board. So you'll have – usually in the afternoon. You can go over there, register them, let them know any you know uh, certain nuances or, or needs that your child might have, right? And and kind of go through there. They also have a they the the staff will also tell you about the policies and whatnot. And the probably the most interesting aspect is in the beginning of a cruise. Let's assume it's a seven night cruise. In the beginning of a cruise, the nursery will only allow you to book a certain amount of hours in advance. Now, the, the nursery operates just like the main dining room does. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a great analogy, but you know you can either show up and hope there's room, or you can make a reservation in advance. The thing is, in order to be fair to everybody and to make sure the Hotchbergs don't take up all the time in the nursery, which what you they'll would. do it, which I would, I totally yeah. would, <laughs> is they will limit you to a certain amount of hours for the first part of the cruise. And the amount, I, I think it varies, Christy. I don't know what your experience has been. I've seen, like 15, I'd, 16 hours over the course. We can pre-book 15 right. to 16 is, hours, yeah. And this is for the court for the first uh, three days of the cruise, if memory serves me correctly, that they, they institute this limit. This is to make sure that everybody has a chance to get in because not everybody is super cool and listens to podcasts about Royal Caribbean and knows about this kind of stuff. They'll, they might show up later on in the cruise. But um, for the first three days, they strict they restrict you to reservation time or you can obviously do drop-offs, but that's assuming that there's availability, right? Um, mm-hmm. But after the three days – then it's open season, and you can book as many hours as you want. And and this is kind of – this is the, the policy pretty much on every Royal Caribbean ship I've run across that has a nursery. So you have to, in the beginning, kind of plan ahead and prioritize what times you want because, as you mentioned, as Christy mentioned, you've got 16 hours, and obviously over the course of a seven-night cruise, you might say, well, all right, well, if I figure you know, I want to have nights to myself and having dinner, with, which is what I like to do, right? I prefer to have uh, dinner with my wife. So we'll say, okay, well, we'll, we'll – We'll do three-hour blocks each evening. And mm-hmm. once we get to day three or day four, when they open it up, we can add more time as we need to. But we prioritize, like, okay, formal night, we're going to have a night by ourselves. And and this next night, we're doing, I don't know what, we're doing something else. So, you know, you, you basically block out those times. And then, obviously, you can augment that as the cruise goes on. Has that been your experience as well, Christy? Yeah. And um, in terms of the nursery, they're always going to be most full on formal nights. So, that's definitely the first thing that you want to get booked. Um, and then if we know that we're going to do any excursions by ourselves and we're going to leave her on board, we book that on the first day too, just to make sure we get that in. We got to talk about that. That's a great thing. Yeah. I'm, gra- I'm so glad you brought this up because a lot of people have a discussion about this, leaving your children on board the ship. I've done it many times, both in the nursery and as my child gets older and goes to Adventure Ocean. It's a- I know you have as well, right, Christy? Yeah, totally. And, you know, at the, at the beginning when we first started sailing, I was like, I don't think so. I need to be on board. But um, whenever you really start to experience the people in the nursery, you see the low child to staff ratio. Um, you feel totally confident with it. And um, we started doing that. And we really love it because, you know, it allows us to go and do some things that we couldn't do with her and allows us to have, you know, a date day away from home, which is really great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly – in, in all these ports, what I would recommend, a couple things. Number one, you make a reservation in advance, which is usually not a problem, especially during the day. Most people use the nursery, it appears, in the evening as opposed to the afternoons. So, um, in fact, the mornings, it's almost never anybody over there except for uh, the Christie's <laughs> of the world. I'm always running except to for me. No, except for yeah. me because my kid's been up since five. And so when they open at nine, I'm like, take her, please. I need a, I need a nap. Yeah. So um, – yeah, uh, make a reservation in advance. Number two is obvious. Uh, this goes without saying is you need to be back on the ship well before you have to. We always make sure to do that. Usually, when we leave the kids on board, it's like more of a half day kind of thing where mm-hmm. we're getting off the ship. Like Cosmel is a great example. We get off the ship, we leave the kids on board. We get off the ship. Me and my wife, we'll go eat. My wife will get a, a massage. You know, we'll do a little bit of shopping. We're, we're back on board by you know a little after lunch, so it's not a huge amount of time. Now, when you do get off the ship, 
No, you do not get a phone. There's really no way of contacting you. That's probably the most common question. And I know as a parent that's really tough, but I guess practice makes you feel okay. With <laughs> I got it. Like over said, it. This, yeah. Yeah, you get you get over it and and the staff is really good. You're not too worried. I would say my number one concern is just making sure I'm back on board on time. Mhm. Yep. Um it's just I think it's familiarity and maybe what you do is you start off like you do like an hour like two hours, right? Which is pretty easy to do. Drop the kid off, get off, just walk around the cruise port area and come back on the ship, you know, and, and kind of branch up baby steps. Right, 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 for sure. And I feel like I mean, I think if something really bad happened, they'd find a way to contact you. Yeah. They certainly you, know all your information. Royal Caribbean has all your stuff on yeah, on file. Yeah. So um it's 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 one of the there is a matter of trust involved and I like you said earlier, Christy, I have a lot of faith in the staff. In fact, I would say the hardest working staff on, on any Royal Caribbean ship is in the nursery. I am continuously amazed how well – they're not just they're not just people sitting in a room with their arms folded looking at your children you know, and saying, well, they're going to pick them up in an hour. They really do interact and really do enjoy it. These are – by the way, these are – uh, we should mention the the staff there are trained. These are not like people that were cooks in their former life on <laughs> land. They are they're supposed to have, and I, I I apologize for not having the the exact information here, but they have to be trained in a certain amount of uh, child care procedures in in some sort of formal training, like at a school or something like that. CPR and a number of other uh, certifications in order to be able to work in the nursery. Yeah, and you know, totally the place is great. Like I have pretty high standards on who's going to watch my kid. And I've always felt very confident, and they treat them like royalty in there. I don't know if I ever told you, when we were on the Freedom Group Cruise, I went back to get Kenzie one day. She's almost two, right? And she's sitting there with her arms behind her head, and they're feeding her. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> she's fully capable of feeding herself. Like, what are you going to do, rub her feet next? I mean, that was just, you know, it's just hysterical. They cater to the kids. Um, every time you pick them up, you get a report card of, when they went to the bathroom, what they ate, what they did, if they had any trouble sleeping, all that kind of stuff. And um, they've always been so accommodating. Um, and I guess I could talk about it here as well is my daughter has an allergy and um, mm-hmm. they're very aware of that. It's on her little sticker. Um, they make sure that they ask me, you know, what can she eat? What can she not eat? All these things so that, you know, we feel confident leaving her there. Absolutely. It's it's really important to uh, to know that they do an excellent uh Excellent job with it. Um, I'm just reading. I was trying to find the information here, and I believe that uh, the staff that works in the nursery have to have three to five years experience working with children whose range anywhere from six months to 17 years old. And the nursery staff has the same qualification. Oh, that's Adventure Ocean. But the nursery staff also has to attend a 30-hour nursery training program uh, Mm -hmm. that's on top of everything else that the Adventure Ocean staff works with. So I've been nothing but incredibly happy with the nursery staff there. And I do believe that when you're traveling with a young child, it, the nursery for me at least is the, is the core or, or the a big part of the cruise vacation. Because like you said, they love it in there because they get to play with, with adults who are willing to engage with them all the time. They're watching movies. They're playing with toys. They're playing with other kids, which of course is the, is, is always a highlight. And um, it's, it's one of those places that uh, they do a really good job. And on top of that, we should also mention the nursery does have cribs for them to sleep in. Mm-hmm. And a separate room on most on most of the boats, a separate quiet room for them to sleep in. Yeah, so it's great. So if you want to go out on a late night, like we said, you're going on a date night and you're not getting back until 11, 12 o'clock, that's fine. You can actually uh, – they, they'll put you tell them, hey, the, my the ch- child should go down for, an, for, for sleep or for a nap at this time. And you pick them up and you know they're in the crib and it's – it, it, it is very, very good. It's, it works out extremely well. And you don't have to use the nursery, by the way, if you don't want to. Obviously, it's an option for you. And I find that actually, as the cruise goes on, it feels like less parents are using it. Maybe they're running out of onboard credit and they don't want to uh, burn the money. But, you know, I always joke that the nursery is the best money I ever spent on board a cruise ship because it, it gives the kid what they want to do, which is my child love having fun in there. And I get some time, some separation, which is also important to us because, after all, it is our vacation as well. Right, and it's easier to go enjoy things on the ship, like you know, different shows or the zip line or whatever. When you don't have one person holding the baby and the other person doing the activity, and they swap. But, you know, even if we just drop her off for an hour, so we can go up to the windjammer and enjoy a quick lunch, it's um, definitely six bucks worth, well spent for sure. All right, I've got a, to round things out here, Christy. I've got some rapid fire questions for you in terms of just like. I don't want to say some of them. Some of them are yay, nay. Some of them are just your own personal experience kind of things. Um, so let me start with this. 
Stroller, yes or no on a cruise? You bring a stroller with you. Yes. I know you guys don't. Or at least sometimes I didn't we see do. one. Yeah. yeah Can I tell you my that. favorite stroller for a cruise? Yes. Okay. Um, I love the Mountain Buggy Nano. So basically it folds up into a cube, which is great for in the uh, stateroom. It gets it out the way. Um, but then also it's not um, – a lot of strollers are really, really wide. And so it's yeah. not wide. It fits down the hallway even if the cleaning carts are out. And it fits to the stateroom doors. So nice. Um, and when you come back on the board, because it collapses up into a cube, it can go through the X-ray machine. You're not waiting for somebody to come and, you know, strip down the stroller and everything. Yeah, we sometimes bring it. We, we use umbrella strollers, and they. I hate them because they're a pain for everywhere except when you actually need them, which is on shore. That's <laughs> right, primarily right. where I need the stroller. On board the ship, it's not really necessary, right? I mean, other than you, like you're trying to get your kid to go nap or or what have you, but. We mostly use ours on shore, um, yeah. but I try. I fight that battle every single time. We don't really need the stroller, okay? But you're holding the baby, okay? Never mind. We're bringing the stroller. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and also, the stroller doubles as a mule, which is great. So right, <laughs> put all your stuff it, on it. Yep, for sure. Exactly. Car seat. Okay, so I know we talk about this every time. You guys don't need it because you live in Florida and you can drive to ships. Um, but usually, we're involving a plane ride and then. Some type of transfer. So we wind up bringing the car seat every time. Um, doesn't necessarily mean we're going to bring it on shore. Um, when we were in St. Thomas, we took a cab. We held her. We didn't bring the car seat. But, um, you know, sometimes we had to, when we went to Freedom, we had to get from Orlando to Port Canaveral in a rental car. We brought her on. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. It's, it's, a, it's a debatable thing. I don't bring car seats. You're right. When you're on shore in many islands, no, it's very rare to find a taxi that will actually have a car seat. And certainly bringing your own, I just don't think it's very practical. And like you said, you do what your parents did with us and hold them in your laps and, you know, we survive. So. Right. So for us, it's mainly getting to and from the, the cruise terminal. A lot of rental right. cars, you can have it. Um, they charge you like 30 bucks sometimes. And we just have a really great um, – we have like a $50 car seat that's super light. And it's just easy to bring, and we wind up bringing ours. Favorite place to feed your child uh, on board a Royal Caribbean ship? Uh, the Windjammer. It's just, you can get little bites of a lot of different things, which is yep. how my child likes to eat. Um, we do bring her to dinner sometimes in the main dining room, and the staff is great with them. My favorite thing is they cut up the food for you. I don't know why all restaurants don't do this. You know, the, <laughs> the waiter will sit there and cut into little bites, and my food's still hot, and I'm enjoying it. Um, but we do bring her to the main dining room some, um, and then we bring her to the nursery some when we eat dinner. Just kind of depends on the night. Yeah, the uh, I will say that the Windjammer has ruined my child's taste because now she believes that everywhere is the Windjammer, and she can just simply – she thinks life is a buffet. <laughs> and I will sample a little bit of the grapes and a little bit of the yogurt, and then I'll move on to the chicken. It's like, no, no, we're at home. You're eating just <laughs> this, and that's it. But yeah. it is wonderful in, in, on the ship because you're right. They can just, you know – Munch on a bunch of things, and of course, the great variety of food in the Windjammer is 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 perfect for that. Um, let me ask you this: main dining room, first or second seating? First, just because we like to get her to bed at a reasonable hour, so we do okay. we do an earlier dinner, and then we typically drop her off at the nursery and enjoy the shows and stuff. Yeah, we do the opposite of what Christy does. I do second seating di- dining, and the, my rationale has always been: we feed the child the children early, like. Basically, when Christy's eating her dinner in the main dining room, I bring the kids up to the to the Windjammer, or these days, they're always at Sorrento's, because that's all they eat is pizza, Jesus. Um, <laughs> they love that stuff. And uh, so we we feed them there, then we drop them off at the nursery or Adventure Ocean, wherever the case may be, and then me and my wife enjoy a dinner by ourselves in the main dining room. It is worth mentioning, though, and you highlighted about this a little bit earlier, that in the main dining room, there is a special menu for kids – and the fruit plate is like by far the best thing that they offer on their four kids, but they have a variety of options. So whether you're, you've got a younger one who maybe just grapes is going to do it for them, or they want to have a more, you know, they're, they're willing to eat other kinds of food. They do have a special menu for them, or they can order, order off, of course, the regular menu, but they have a special menu just for them. High chairs are available, so very easy to get that. And I agree, the staff does a great job of, uh, of making sure they have a good time in there. And um, I haven't tested this one personally, but I have heard whenever they're younger, if they're still in the puree stage, if you talk to your head waiter kind of on the first day, um, you can even have some purees made for the babies as well. Oh, very good. I did not know that. Oh, one other thing. By the way, speaking of the main dining room and the nursery, unlike Adventure Ocean, in the nursery, you will be given either a phone or a pager. 
uh, mm-hmm. so that the nursery can contact you, or you can contact them. If you, most times it's the phone. I think I forget which ship it was. They actually had a pager, and I felt like I was back in the '90s or something. <laughs> but um, what's nice about the phone, and in general, just having this, is you can always call and check in on the on the child, and also just the times. Be like, hey, you know what? We're we're having a great time here. Uh, can we can the child stay an extra hour, or you know, are, are, can we come pick them up now? Is is he or she sleeping? Use take advantage of it. It's really helpful in in planning your evening because, as you know, you never know what you're going to run into. Yeah, for sure. I was about to say my uh, the only time we call is asking if we can leave her there longer than we originally said. <laughs> did I say did I say ten o'clock? I really meant one a.m. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, but just as long as you let them know ahead of time and they're not busy, it's they're usually very accommodating. It's, it's quite amazing, quite honestly, how accommodating they are every time i'm always like cringing and like oh gosh oh gosh you know and they're like oh yeah no problem it's like all right well that's good so yeah i always feel bad Uh, about it too but they're really nice so it's usually no problem at all all right and now the most debatable topic of them all all right we talked about main dining room you dress do you dress in general do you dress your kids for for the cruise uh yeah but you know what like we have a ton of really nice clothes and she goes to school now and we never get to wear it so I just like to dress her up, but um, don't you don't need to, especially not under two. Nobody cares what your kid's wearing. <laughs> it's true. Although I will say the cruise ship is the best place to get family photos done because um, they have all the photo areas set up. And you're right, Christy. We love bringing those outfits that otherwise are kind of not practical to wear every day. And they offer quite a bit of uh, options there. So we always have a great time with those white backgrounds, you know, where they where the kid mm-hmm. is sitting there. And we've had very good luck with getting good photos out of that. Yeah, definitely. And Chris, before I let you go, of course, since you're new to the podcast or coming on the podcast, you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, but first time on the podcast here with me, I got to get to know you a little bit better, even though I know you pretty well, but I uh, want to share with us, basically, I'm give you some rapid fire questions where I'm going to ask you how basically how you cruise on Royal Caribbean and just basically say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? Sabor. No, 150 Central Park. Oh, I don't know. One or the other, Sabor or 150 Central Park. Central Park. <laughs> All right, I'll give you both on that. Preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise. All right, one from each, the cucumber martini from 150 Central Park or the avocado margarita from Sabor. Yes, yes. Favorite port of call to visit? It wasn't on Royal Caribbean, but it has to be Copenhagen. Oh, although there are uh, opportunities to cruise there. Right, absolutely. We need to soon. Group cruise. <laughs> and lastly, favorite song on the radio or your iPhone today? Uh, the Hamilton soundtrack. Oh, the whole thing sounds like my sounds like my wife. That's all I hear whenever she's cooking dinner. It's, it's the Hamilton soundtrack. And all right, well, I'm sure it's very nice. It is. I know it's a very nice album, but it's I hear it quite often. But I respect your opinion, nonetheless. <laughs> sounds good. Very good. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining us here and talking uh, little kids here on the Rollcoming Blog Podcast. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. It's the time in the show where I answer your listener emails, basically anything on your mind about a Royal Caribbean cruise. This is your forum to talk about it. So whether you have a question, a comment, something coming up about your cruise you want to discuss, this is your opportunity. And you can send me your emails by sending an email to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Don't forget to include the name and where you're from so I can totally... Shout out your name and give you credit for the email. Our first email is from Jeff in North Carolina. Right, time Matt. Hope you're well. Must have been uh, ill the day you declined my offer to free support modern Mexican. Just listened to episode 169. I know I'm a few episodes behind. And wanted to thank both you and Dirk for the very informative episode. Doing shore excursions on one's own has always been something I've been interested in. Touring on my own pace sounds wonderful. I'm still a bit fearful to do that and get caught up and let time slip away to the part where the ship leaves without me. But I like Dirk's enthusiasm. You talked about trivia. Do all ships offer a trivia game? And if so, what are the themes offered? Hope you have a wonderful holiday. Thanks. Jeff, thank you so much for the email. And this is a great question, actually. Uh, first of all, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about doing shore excursions on your own. I totally understand the fear a lot of people do have, including yourself, about being left behind. You don't want to do that. I would really, to say the least, it ruins your vacation, but it just creates a huge mess of problems for you, right? The key to not being left behind is to plan out ahead certainly having a game plan and for me when i do do this very often i say i think i estimate that probably about 60 to 70 percent of the time when i do shore excursions in the caribbean i am using a third-party shore excursion provider or i'm just you know wandering on my own that being said 
one of the things, strategies I always have is number one, we're always back to the ship many hours ahead of time. I'm not talking an hour or two, three to four hours ahead of time. But give yourself that much padding. You are ensuring, essentially, that even if there's a lot of traffic and I get an hour or two delayed, for whatever reason, I fall asleep, like you mentioned, Jeff, or there's traffic or whatnot, whatever, I'm not going to be in real danger of missing the ship. I still have that buffer time. And, you know, both probably an eight-hour shore stay for most excursions, at least, or most port days, rather. Five hours is probably more than enough time to hit the highlights of it. Not always the case. And certainly, if there are situations where... I may book with Royal Caribbean. As I mentioned, I only book on my own 60 to 70% of the time. So there still leaves a little bit of a chunk there to book with Royal. So, you know, if you've got that fear, if there's something that comes up right against it, I certainly go with Royal. I will add that if there's something that is involving water transportation, I generally go with Royal Caribbean. Here's an example. In Cozumel, if you're going to go to the mainland for anything, anything, it doesn't matter if it's Tulum, if it's just to go over to Playa del Carmen, it doesn't matter. I always would recommend booking with Royal Caribbean. There's... There's a literal barrier between you and getting back to the ship, as opposed to if you're on an island and or wherever you are and you're only a car rides away, well, theoretically, you've got more man-made issues to, to deal with, more than likely. So it's not to say that you can't... Uh, there's no physical barriers to stop you. Does that make any sense? And if, of course, I don't know if that logic makes any sense, but it makes sense to me. <laughs> so on to your question about trivia. Yes, all Royal Caribbean ships offer trivia. They come in a couple times during the day. They can be maybe a couple or a lot. It kind of depends on the, on the day. Certainly, there's going to be more trivia during sea days and port days. And they usually occur in the schooner bar. They can occur in other places as well. But Royal Caribbean puts them on there. You'll have to check the cruise compass for when and where they'll happen. I love the trivia. I remember when I first started getting into cruising, people would talk about trivia and be like, trivia? I don't really get the appeal of that. But it is a lot of fun. They have all different kinds of uh, trivia. There's be general trivia. There'll be music trivia. There'll be movie trivia, TV theme song trivia. There'll be geography trivia. I mean, there's, it really, there's a huge gamut of options there. And you'll run into quite a number of them. And what's cool about it is you get to uh, really test yourself. And it's a lot of fun. I go to trivia a lot of times. So I don't really know a whole lot about that. It doesn't matter. You go there. My advice is show up about 10, 15 minutes early. Try to find somebody who you can partner with because they do allow teams starting at two people but going all the way up to about usually about six. And it's your advantage to have the most people possible in your team because that's the most different experiences, right? More brains equals more brain power equals more knowledge theoretically or more likelihood you'll know the answer. And the classic example is I went there with my daughter who was at the time five years old. We went to trivia. She's never been there before. I said, if you want to come with me, sure, let's go. So I brought her to trivia, and it was general trivia, and I figured she would just, she'd be bored after five minutes and then want to leave. First of all, she was totally into it, and second of all, she actually knew two questions I didn't know the answers to (laughs) because they were covered in Finding Dory, the the film. So you never know who, who on your team will be able to help you. And I do recommend it. It's fun and it's complimentary. You do play for some minor prizes like keychains and zip ties and some other things that are not really valuable pens. But I will tell you, it is a lot of fun and I do enjoy the challenge of it. Jeff, great email. Thank you for sending that over. Our next email is from Murphy writes, I know that you were giving your opinion about which ship first time cruisers should go on first. I disagree with your suggestion on Oasis class. The reason I would recommend the smaller classes first is that way you tend to appreciate the wider range of options on the Oasis class. I started cruising in Royal Caribbean in, with the Sovereign of the Seas and have worked my way up to the next cruise on Harmony of the Seas. Now on to my question. Do you know if they still have the soda machines similar to Freedom of the Seas? And do you know if they have the, my non-alcoholic favorite Powerade Zero orange flavor? Thanks a lot for the podcast. Great stuff, first of all, Marf. Uh, let me start with your observation. I don't think you're wrong. There is a certain logic to if, you, if you're a first-time cruiser and you go on a Radiance-class ship or you go on a Voyager-class ship or a Vision-class ship or even Majesty of the Seas, that is what you get used to, right? That's your first cruise. Then you go on Oasis-class or Quantum-class, and you're like, holy moly, look at all this stuff there. I totally get that, and I would never say that somebody could not have a good cruise on one of the smaller ships in the fleet. No doubt in my mind, you can have a great time on that, in fact. In fact, I mean, my first cruise was on Explore the Season. By by my own uh, admittance here, it's not the smallest ship in the fleet, even at the time. But, you know, it, it, obviously when I did go on a Oasis-class ship, Oasis of the Seas, I was like, holy moly, there's a lot to do on board. So I understand the logic there. I think the issue is, and the reason why I recommend the Oasis and Quantum-class ships for first-time cruisers is quite simply... First-time cruisers have certain expectations, and when you're a first-time cruiser, I would say you you have these expectations built up for whatever reason, usually through marketing 
advertising and word of mouth, right? You watch these Rokami commercials, you see mentions in the news. I mean, you're seeing the Oasis of Quantum class ships. And if you were to show up on Brilliance of the Seas, it's not to say you would have a bad time, but I, I'm concerned that your expectations would not be met. Also, first-time cruisers don't know what they want in the sense of because you don't know what the product is very, very well, you're not exactly sure which aspects of the cruise experience are going to be what you like. I know what I like, but again, a first-time cruiser might not. And I think that the having the widest variety of options is, is, a, is a great strategy. And that's why I lean for first-time cruisers towards Oasis or Quantum class ships. Again, if you were to say, Matt, I'm going to go on a first-time cruiser and I'm going to go on Jewel the Seas for the first time, am I going to be you know, crying and, and regretting it all? Probably not. I don't think so. In fact, I'm sure we can have a lot of people here who will swear by that they started off on smaller ships and worked their way up and it was fine. But I think for the greatest chance of success, having the most variety of choice is the best thing for a first-time cruiser because then they get an understanding of where that is. Certainly, the industry is moving in that direction of, you know, Royal Caribbean keeps on building new ships. They're not building Radiance-class ships, for better or worse. They're building Oasis-class ships. That's where, you know, things are going. Uh, you know, and, and I think once they get acclimated to that, understand how cruising works, then they can get a better appreciation for why a Radiance class ship offers a really cool experience, or even an Empress of the Seas uh, has you know the abilities of the, to do certain itineraries that obviously the bigger ships cannot. There, you know, there's there's a there's there's pros and cons to everything, but again, for first time cruisers, I always recommend Oasis class, Quantum class ships, and a seven night itinerary. By the way, that's also key. Don't go for the three or four nights; they're just too short. You can't. It's over before you know it. Now, on to Murph's question. Do they still have the freestyle soda machines on Harmony of the Seas? Absolutely, they do. And do they have a non-alcoholic powder, Powerade Zero orange flavor? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> no idea. I'm pretty sure they do have Powerade on board because Powerade, of course, is a Coca-Cola brand. But I can't swear to you, Murph, that the orange flavor will be there. But uh, it's pretty consistent across all the freestyle machines. So I would be more surprised, Murph, if they didn't have it, then if they did, provided, of course, they're in supply of it. You know, the machine can serve it. It's just a matter of, you know, if they haven't run out of it. So, good question, my friend. As always, thank you for the emails. Love Murph's emails. Next, we have an email from Doug Reds, huge fan of your blog and podcast. So glad I found it about a month ago. Been spending my free time listening to the past episodes. You do an amazing job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Quick history. Grew up driving to Disney World every year with my family from Michigan. We loved it and are still Disney people. But we went on our first Royal Caribbean cruise, Voyager of the Seas, in the summer of 2003, and were instantly hooked. After that, we did Mariner of the Seas in 2004, Adventure in 2005, Vision in 2006 in Alaska, and then Voyager again in 2007 over in the Mediterranean, and then Allure of the Seas in summer 2011, and the best was the Aqua Theater suite on decade of Oasis of the Seas in May of 2015. Starting on a Voyager class was amazing. In my opinion, you form a relationship with everyone on the ship because you're doing the same things. They are usually only one show a night, whether it's in the theater or Studio B. So you all do that, and you get to know your cruise director really well and see him or her at all the events. Getting the cruise in review video those first few years was amazing because they filmed at all the big events we were at. Going on the Oasis class ships, which I love and love seeing people on, it's very different. Since there is so much to do on, do you lose that relationship with everyone on board if you get what I'm saying? So my question is this, since your favorite ship is Navigator of the Seas, or was until Harmony of the Seas anyway, is that environment still present on the Voyager class ships? Even though I love Oasis class ships, I do find Miss running into the same guests every night in the theater or after in the promenade and talking to them. By the end of the week, your family, without even knowing it happened, interested to hear your thoughts on this. And one last thing, quick tip for new cruisers. On my very first cruise, which was Voyager of the Seas, our cruise director, one of the best, Richard Spacey, gave us the best advice the first night after the Welcome Aboard show in the theater. He went down the list of activities, still going on all night, and said, you can sleep when you go home. It really is the truth. Do everything you can on a cruise so you don't regret missing anything, or at least as much as you can. Doug, love the email, dude. So let's talk about your question about the, I guess, the experience, the guest experience on an Oasis class ship versus a Voyager class ship, which is still a pretty large ship. You're right. There's a lot more stuff going on. There's no question on an Oasis class ship. There's a ton of activities, and I've often told people on an Oasis class ship you can't simply do it all. There's just there's too much. Now, granted, I am of the opinion that variety is the spice of life, and I like having too many choices because, in my opinion, that means I'm inevitably going to have a much higher likelihood of finding something I want to really do over something I may not want to do or less enthusiastic that I want to do. If that makes any sense. So. I get, how do I answer your question effectively? I mean, do you, are you less likely to run into the same people on board the ship? Probably by virtue of statistics, yes. 
That being said, I still feel like you run into certain the same circles. Going to the trivia events, as I mentioned earlier when I was talking about the trivia in the in this episode, I feel like you run into the same people over there. I think if anything, you should look at it this way, Doug. You have a more of an option to actually meet new people. Because there's so many people on board the ship, you're going to be doing different activities, and you're going to have a chance to meet new people all around rather than like – it's like that old thing about high schools, right? Do you want to go to small high school where you know everybody and everybody knows each other, or would you rather go to one of the larger high schools where you don't know everybody, but then again, it's like more like the movies where it's like, oh, who's that girl over there? I never saw her before. That doesn't really happen in a small high school, right? And I'm not sure that <laughs> – that analogy really holds any water with anybody, but I uh, it made sense in my mind at the time, and I'm sticking with it, darn it. So, yeah. And I do like the advice, by the way, that Richard Spacey, who, by the way, I agree, the best cruise director I've ever seen. He unfortunately doesn't work in Royal Caribbean anymore. When last I checked, he was, like, working in, in Royal Caribbean corporate, and I'm not sure if he's still with the company, and then he went over to Celebrity. Who knows? But I wish him the best, because he was a really great cruise director, and his... Advice definitely holds up. You're on a cruise. I don't care if you're on Radiance of the Seas or you're on Harmony of the Seas. There is so much to do. And I think you're right. Staying up an extra hour or two, being tired, totally worth it because these are really fun activities. Every time I thought to myself, do I really want to stay up and go to this event? And every time that I've actually stayed at that event, I've always come up with the same kind of conclusion, which was, I'm so glad I did it. Yes, I'm tired, and maybe I'll take a nap in the afternoon the next day, but it was worth it. So... Good email, Doug, and thanks to everyone for the great emails here. We're going a little over the usual time, hoping nobody minds. But, of course, I want to hear from you. If you have a question, a thought, something on your mind about Royal Caribbean, let's talk about it right here on the podcast. My email, once again, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And one last uh, note, of course, if you're enjoying Royal Caribbean Blog podcast, if you like royalcaribbeanblog.com, if you're enjoying the Periscopes that we do, which we actually do a Periscope every single day, on our on our Periscope channel, which is the RCL blog, you can go check us out. If you're enjoying any and all of it, I would ask everybody to consider becoming a Royal Caribbean Blog Insider. An insider is somebody who donates to Royal Caribbean Blog financially. So basically, you donate monthly, and you get some pretty cool rewards for doing so: access to spe- Royal Caribbean Blog special events, uh, Royal Caribbean Blog merchandise. You get access to the podcast a day early. There's a lot of different rewards depending on which level you contribute at, and. You can cancel anytime you want. There's no obligation. So check it on out at royalcribbeanblog.com slash support. royalcribbeanblog.com slash support. And, of course, I will place a link in our show notes for more information about becoming an insider. And I appreciate everyone who has become one. And if you haven't, this is a great time to join and help support your favorite podcast. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.